fellowship, and we are glad to be with you. If you have your Bibles, be turning the book of First John. We're in, the, in our study of First John this morning, First John chapter one, and we're going to try to uh, take the verses uh, verses five through ten this morning and continue on in our study in the time we have remaining. And uh, you parents with graduates, uh, we just want to again, we just want to congratulate you on the hard work of raising kids, <clears throat> getting them through high school, and we pray the best for them. Thank you, Luke. That was a great, great job. <clears throat> and so it's going to be important to see what God has for them in the days ahead. So last week we established that Jesus is the Word of God and that uh, our joy is found in prioritizing our fellowship with Jesus with uh, and others, and then, of course, putting ourselves third in that list. And we talked about how Jesus Christ is our joy. Today I want to take some time and talk about overcoming obstacles to fellowship. Technically, it's overcoming obstacles to fellowship with the Word. We saw last week that the Word, capital W, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so we want to walk in the light um, and uh, let the Lord, uh, you know, make sure that we, uh, <clears throat> our title, I'm sorry, the title on your, your handout, I should say, says walk, walk in the Light. That's a subject today, but I changed it this last Thursday. And so uh, if you're wondering why my title on the screen is different from the title on your uh, bulletin, that is why. Uh, and so let's look at the text, First John chapter uh, 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 10. The Bible says, then... This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we look into your word that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. We're so thankful for uh, the opportunity to celebrate graduates today, celebrate family, celebrate uh, accomplishments. And Lord, as we think about those things, we think about what you have accomplished. Lord, you have sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to this earth to die on the cross in our stead, as we'll learn in chapter 2, as our propitiation, as our advocate. Lord, you are the one who has given us eternal life. You have accomplished the miraculous. You've taken those that were dead, and Lord, you've quickened us and brought us to life. And Lord, I pray this morning as we look into your word and we talk about what it is, Heavenly Father, to have fellowship with you and the obstacles that can hinder that. Lord, I pray, God, that our hearts would be right with you this morning. I pray, God, for anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, as Lord and Savior, Lord, we pray, God, in a mighty way that the Spirit of God would, uh, Lord, teach them all things. Lord, that the Word of God would, would speak to them. Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them of sin and, and, uh, and teach them of truth and righteousness and bring them to a place of salvation through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that You would bless the reading, the hearing, and most importantly, Lord, the application of Your Word, for we live in a midst of a of a crooked and perverse nation. And Lord, I pray, God, that <clears throat> this message and this sermon series would give us the grace to, to shine as lights in the midst of that crooked and perverse nation. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, you are. Okay. So, uh, my bad. So, uh, so let's talk about overcoming obstacles of fellowship. I'm going to just dive right into this because of time's sake. I need to make good use of the clock. And, uh, and so our first point this morning is understanding God's divine nature. We need to understand God's divine nature. If we're going to overcome obstacles to fellowship, 
Now, I'm, I'm presuming that maybe you were here last week, so you kind of know a little bit about what we've been talking about, how this is so important. In 1 John chapter 1, uh, the Word of God speaks to us there. John is t- telling us that uh, in verse 3, that that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye uh, also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is a major theme of the book of 1 John as well as knowing and loving God, which is why the title of our whole series is to know God is to love God. And so in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So, so really, this is an important point because John is saying this is the message. This is, this is important. This is what I'm bringing to you. This is, let me download this to you. This then is the message. This then is the message. So we need to understand God's divine nature as declared because this message was given to John to give to us. And this message has been heard and received by John and the apostles. Right? He says, we have heard of him in verse 5. Who is we? Right? Well, he's talking about those, obviously, that are, are reading, but also the apostles. We talked about that last week, how they ministered, they fellowshiped, they touched the word, the Lord Jesus. They handled him, the word of life. They spent time with him. They knew him. And we can know him the same way. And that's what the, that's what the Apostle John is writing about. And he says, so this is the message that, that we have heard of him. And now I'm going to declare it to you. I'm going to give this to you. So no, it's no longer just my message, but it's your message. right? This is a message that we need to embrace and, and, and hold on to. Now, I do want to say as well, as John goes through this epistle, this is the first of six places where he uses this uh, phrase and declares something about God as God is something. There, uh, uh, there are only uh, God is phrases in this book of 1 John. Uh, there are none in the other uh, general epistles of James uh, and uh, First and Second and Peter uh, and or Second and Third John or Jude. So only First John has these declarations of God is, and you know what it says. God is what light. God is light. This is a declaration that He's making. It is a message that He wants to get across. It seems super simple. But it's very profound, right? It's like the ocean, right? You can go play on the sand in the seashore, or you can go out in the deep and get lost in the abyss. There's a lot in what what he says right there. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But he does make some other statements in 1 John. This is the first of of, uh, several, of five. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, God is light. In 1 John 3.20, he says, God is greater than our hearts. And that's good to know. Amen to that. In, in, uh, in verse chapter 4 and verse 8, he says, God is love. He repeats himself in verse 16 of chapter 4. He says, God is love. In 1 John 5, 9, he says, the witness of God is greater than what? The witness of man, if you go back and read that in the context. His witness is greater than anybody else's witness. And in chapter 5 and verse 20, he says that the Son of God is come. He has come. And praise God for that. So John is declaring that God is light. Like John the Baptist at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. If you go back to the book of John... In chapter 1, and that uh, we looked at that last week, uh, we know that uh, John was declaring the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and he speaks of how Jesus Christ is the light. But also, in verse, uh, the, the, uh, the narrative continues on as he speaks of John the Baptist in uh, John chapter 1 and verse 6. Uh, he says in chapter 1 and verse 4, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it." Not And we talked about last week how God is light and how he spoke everything into existence and all of those things in creation. He is the creator. But he also came to minister, right? He is the minister. 
And he came and, and he, he was born of a virgin and he grew uh, to be a man. And at 33 year, or 30 years old, he began his public ministry. <clears throat> and John the Baptist came and spoke of him. In John chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. That's exactly what the apostle John is doing. Now this in John chapter 1 and verse 6 is talking of John the Baptist. But John the Apostle in First John is also doing the same thing. He is declaring. He is being a witness of the light. And so he says, uh, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light <clears throat> that all men through him might believe. And he was not that light. So nobody's confused. John the Baptist was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. And you'll notice at the end of the sentence in verse 8, and in the middle of the sentence in verse 8, it's a capital L. <clears throat> it's a lot like the, the word, capital W. It's speaking of someone, not just something. It's a proper noun. Jesus Christ is the light. He is the light. And, and uh, John the Baptist came to bear witness of that light. That was the, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Right? That is the light that comes. And as it says in chapter 4, or in chapter 1 and verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. <clears throat> and so we would have no earthly physical life without the Lord, but we also have no spiritual light or life outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John, thank you. And you're like the Holy Ghost. All right, so John is declaring the light like God after all after <clears throat> after the fall of Satan. Transition for you. Um, let me try to synthesize this for you, bring this together where you can kind of get a hold of where I'm going with this. When John's introducing Jesus, he's saying he's the light. He's just not going to illuminate some understanding. He's saying he is, he's the light, right? This then is the message. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And to really comprehend that, you really got to go all the way, once again, back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And I'm going to put the verses up, but you might want to turn your Bible to kind of meditate on them and look at them a little bit deeper. But Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, in the beginning, now you guys know this, all right? So this is, many of you have heard this. Even people that don't know Christ know this passage. In the beginning, God created the heaven, not heavens, heaven and the earth. There's a reason it's heaven, uh, because it had not yet been defiled. Uh, and the earth was, not that heaven, the third heaven's never been defiled, but Satan hadn't fallen yet. And in verse 2 it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now this is obviously, this is the second verse in, so it's the first time you're going to see the word darkness in the Bible. And the antithesis, right, of light is darkness. Okay, so we'll just keep going. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This is the first time we're introduced um, <clears throat> To the Spirit, right? Again, capital S, proper pronoun, the invisible person of Christ. He creates, and he's working, and he is moving. He's been moving since this moment, and he's moving today. He's actually moving right now in this room. The Spirit of God is working on the hearts of every single one of us to communicate what God uh, wants us to hear, what us to know, and what we need to do next. The Spirit of God is moving in his creation, and the most important priority in his creation uh, is the souls of men. I know that's not popular to say today. I know it's supposed to be the earth. The earth is not as important as you are, though it's important. The creation is waiting for our redemption. That's what Romans clearly teaches us, that the creation can't wait till we're redeemed, right? It's a priority that humanity is redeemed because 
God wants us to steward this planet. He wants us to be the ones in his image, in his likeness, to, to steward what goes on on this globe and beyond, I might add, but that's another Bible study. So the Spirit of God, uh, he, he moves upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. It's interesting there, too, if you look at what's capitalized and what's not. Day is capitalized at the end of verse, uh, in the middle of verse 5, and night at the end of verse 5. And the evening and the morning were the first day. There was a separation between night and day. And so a skeptic might say that we have a contradiction in the Bible because 1 John 1, 5 says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if that's the case, then how can we have darkness in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2? Well, I'm glad you're asking. You're asking a good question. Because a scholar would, would miss the point and say, well, you see, Genesis is dealing with the physical light. As a matter of fact, even I like Ken Ham and his thing, but he's going to tell you, well, you know, he's talking about the creation and, uh, the, and how God brought light to the earth and all of those things, and it's physical and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> I disagree with that. And I, and I don't want to be obstinate, but... Uh, According to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, we're dealing with some spiritual light. We're dealing with spiritual light. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him. And who he is, his person, is no darkness at all. Yet we find darkness. So maybe we should do some Bible study and figure out where that came from. The Bible believer will rightly divide the word of God and allow God to speak for himself. And so we'll let God speak on this matter. First of all, uh, this is not the light of the sun or the moon and the stars. How do I know that? Because it's not until the fourth day that the sun and the moon and the stars are created. So you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Uh, that is not the light that he's talking about. <clears throat> and, and first of all, this is, uh, and, and secondly, I should say, this is the light of God's glory. All right, so obviously, God is light. We've established that. And in him is no darkness at all. Now, he's not just light. He is pure light. I don't even, it's beyond my comprehension. We were just talking in the, in the, the warriors this morning about Things God, he, he thunders with his voice, and there are things beyond our, he does things beyond our comprehension. Well, some of these things that we're, I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you right up front. When I, when I say God is light, I have some understanding of what I'm talking about, but I do not have complete understanding. I know he's so much light that it just, it literally is more than I can comprehend. When we talk about his marvelous light, his glory, when we talk about his glory, we're talking about his, his, his illumination, and he is he is the brightest of bright, and he is the purest of pure, and, and my words as a human fail to communicate the magnitude of his glory, the intensity of his light, the purity of his radiance. I, I, I just don't have enough verbiage. I don't have enough, I don't have enough um, uh, English language. I don't have enough synonyms. I, don't, I just don't have enough at my disposal this morning to communicate to you that when, God, when the Bible says God is light, I think it's going to take me getting out of this body and getting into glory before I'm actually going to comprehend fully what I'm even talking about this morning. But I know this is true because the word says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Man, it's, just, it's, just, it's truly awesome. A little statement like that, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, is awesome. But the Bible is a Bible of contrast. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everything was unified everything was perfect but something happened 
And we know what that was. There was a war in heaven, and Lucifer unleashed his five I will statements in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars, which also bear light, the angels of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Someone wanted to compete with God's glory. Somebody else wanted to to get in the limelight, as we like to say. right? It's pride. Pride crept into this cherub, and he wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to have the same uh, authority. He wanted to have the same glory. He, He was not happy to reflect that glory. He wanted to take upon himself that glory. And beloved, uh, that was a problem. God's response, he says in chapter 14 and verse 16 of Isaiah, that thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Of course, many of us are familiar with that. Some people think that's a cunningly devised fable. That's an actual historical fact. I believe that happened just as the Bible teaches it, and there's much more we could talk about. But beloved, if God is light and in him is no darkness at all, where do you think the darkness came from? It came from the pride of Lucifer. It came from a decision that he made because God gave him a choice. When you have time to cross-reference the word day with a capital D, with a ca- you, you will see it in Genesis 1-5. And I'll go ahead and help you out. You, you won't find it again uh, <clears throat> in, uh, in any other uh, than two passages. The other one is Psalms 19-2 and Psalms 55-10, and those begin a sentence. That's why it's capitalized. But it only is in Genesis chapter 1. And verse 5, God is trying to teach us something about the light of Christ. Uh, When we get saved, our nature changes, and the day star comes into our heart. What is the day star? Somebody tell me, what is the day star? Jesus Christ is the day star, and in a physical sense, what's that? What's what he is the the type? So, what is the right, or actually, he's the anti type. The sun is the is the type, right? So, the sun of righteousness, like Malachi, we was in Malachi chapter 4, will rise with healing in his wings. So when we see in the day when the, when the sun rises, right, which is also interesting how it rises and it sets, but when the sun rises, it is the brightest star in the sky. And when it's shining, you cannot see any other light in the sky. But occasionally, you know what you will see? The moon. That's a whole Bible study too unto itself. There's a lot of things out there. Those are things that, that, that we can meditate on this morning. But, but in, God has created that. That's just a picture. Jesus Christ is the real thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that when he rules and reigns on this earth, we will have no need of the sun. Why? Because of the radiance of his glory. He is brighter than the sun. I mean, I just it's hard for my mind to comprehend his glory. It's incredible. God is he's trying to teach us something about the light of Christ. When we get saved, our nature changes and the day star comes into our heart. Imagine that. But you're saying, well, Brian, how come I'm not lit up? Well, maybe you are, because not all light's the same, right? You know that. There's X-rays, there's gamma rays, there's all these different rays that radiate from the sun. Not all of them are just visible. Some of them are invisible. And I pray that you're, you are filled with light this morning, the light of Christ. There's not anything bigger or brighter in the sky. Every day you look at the sun of righteousness, and it's just a picture in the sky, obviously. We're not worshiping. But there's a reason why every pagan religion in the world starts with worshiping the sun. Because they know intuitively that there's something about the sun. It brings life and light to what would otherwise be a dead earth. The earth is a type of our heart. 
The heart is soiled, Matthew 13. And what has to happen? The word of God has to get into the soil so that it can bring forth life. But life only comes when the sun hits the soil, mixed with the seed and mixed with the water of the word. And God quickens life. Could be this morning that you are dry and thirsty. You're like a, a dead planet going through the solar system, man. You just don't have any life in you. But maybe you start listening to God's word and the spirit of God started to do a work. And as far as you're concerned, there is nothing in your life and you are in darkness and, and you might as well just be covered up with water, just like the, the universe in Genesis 1-2. And there's no life. There is no nothing. But all it takes is God's word to speak to you. And you know what all he has to do is say, let there be light. And beloved, let me tell you, that's what God wants in the heart of every single soul on this planet. He wants them to be quickened. He wants them to be brought to life. He wants them to have the light of God's word. And when you pre preach the word of God, it does, God does the work of God in the people's hearts. And he brings life to places that have been destroyed by darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5 says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. <clears throat> You know that this morning? We are not of night. We are not of the darkness. <clears throat> it is not until the fourth day that the sun and the moon and the stars are physically placed in the firmament, the second heaven, or what we would call outer space. Uh, the light John is referring to is the same light that John was referring to, which is the very same light which we are called to walk in. And this gets us back to 1 John. That's the kind of fellowship we are to have. We are to be children of light. We are to be light-bearing children. We should be glowing and lighting it up. Not like a 60-watt bulb, not like a 100-watt bulb. I mean, we need to be some megawatt bulb, man. We need to be lighting it up. My prayer for HBF for years has been that this place right here would light up, light up the world somehow, some way. I don't understand how all that happens. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't understand everything about how God works with light. I'm not talking about physical light, spiritual light. But I know he does it. And he is able to illuminate the darkness. Now, <clears throat> we can understand that John was talking about his epistle in 1 John 1 and verse 5. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, <clears throat> and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Before he creates anything, he says, I'm going to turn on the light. And when I turn on the light, I'm going to contrast the day, capital D, who I am, he is the day star. With someone else with a capital N, it's night. There is light and there is darkness, and we're going to see who wins. And by the way, beloved, the light always wins. If in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. How in the world did he do that? The darkness doesn't understand. Understand God, God's divine nature is delivered. In this passage that we read in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John isn't just sharing this for knowledge's sake. He's sharing this for application's sake because he wants the fellowship to be sweet. The message has now been delivered. Delivered unto whom, I might add? Delivered unto you. In the text, he says, he says and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This was a time in which there was a lot of darkness. The Romans had destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D. I believe this was written after that. You had, you had wicked rulers on the throne. You had uh, Jews that were de de defecting from the faith. You had, uh, you had all kinds of heresies starting to crop up from Greek, and, uh, Greek uh, mythology and things like that that were infecting and infesting the church, which is also why this epistle has been written. There's a lot of darkness. But John says, you know what? 
I am delivering you a simple message. This then is the message that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give this to you. I've just declared to you that truth. And then he's going to continue to go on through the rest of this, uh, this uh, chapter and then the rest of this book and encourage us and challenge us to have fellowship in the light so that we can continue to declare and deliver that same message to other people. It's as simple as our discipleship process, right? That's what we do. God has given us the word, and then we turn around and we give other people the word. What are we doing when we're giving out the word of God? Well, we're giving out the word of life. It is the light that God has given us in this world. And so, so in 70 AD, John had the benefit of reading all the epistles written by the apostles, uh, other than Second, uh, Third John and Revelation, because they hadn't been written yet. And the canon is, is almost complete. And he is handing off the lightsaber to the priesthood of believers and letting you know the force is with you, right? Just as it had been with them. And so, forgive me for exhausting all my Star Wars types. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Mr. Blowers isn't even here to hear it. Uh, but if there's a good movie plot, it's coming from the Word of God. Uh, and so he wants us to understand that, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the issue of darkness is always a matter of the heart. You say, well, where do you see that at? Well, I'm glad you asked. In that same discourse I was talking about, remember Lucifer, that, that anointed cherub? Uh, he was a light-bearing being, man. He was created. I don't have time to get into how he was created. You can go back and read it in Isaiah and Ezekiel. But in Ezekiel 28, as God's bringing down the hammer, he says this, Thine heart, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. You see, Lucifer in his own right was a light-bearing being. That's why Paul says, hey, don't be deceived, church. Satan is transformed, and his ministers are transformed into angels of light. And so when, you know, you're like, well, Brian, you're old-fashioned. You're sticky about the Bible. You're a Bible literalist. There's a reason why I'm a Bible literalist, because I know there's an adversary, and he likes to tamper with the light. He likes to corrupt the light. He wants to put a parallel light together. And God says, no, I've only got one word, and this is the light of God's word. And so understand that God's divine nature, it's been delivered to us. And we've got to be careful that our heart is right, because when it's not right, it can cast you into darkness. When the light of God is abused, you know what happens? You become lightning. You know what Jesus said in Luke? In Luke chapter 10 and verse, uh, verse 18, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he said unto his 72 disciples, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Well, when did that happen? Uh, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he wants us to recognize that fellowship with the Word of light requires that we deal with the darkness. Oh, I've been talking about all this exterior stuff, but that's really not the meat of the message. We've got to deal with the darkness of our human nature. See, you don't need to get worried about the devil and all the demons because your biggest obstacle to fellowship with God and walking in the light isn't going to be from out there. It's not going to be from some philosophy that you're going to read about somewhere, although there's a real danger there. You're really going to get the biggest obstacles, and now I can speak with understanding completely of this, are going to come from your own self your own flesh. My biggest obstacle for walking in the light, I like, it's easy to talk about the devil, but what about us, right? And boy, does John 
put it on him as he goes through the rest of this, this uh, chapter. So let's go ahead and dig into that. The second point here is that we gotta exp- if we want to overcome obstacles of fellowship, we got to expose the darkness of our human nature. I put your human nature because it's got to be personal here. So don't look at your neighbor and say, yeah, he's talking about you. No, that's not this section. Uh, this isn't, and by the way, I haven't been spying. I haven't been driving around your neighborhood, looking in your window. I don't know, okay? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to preach about what, what needs to happen here. I need it. You need it. We need this. So buckle up, and here we go. Because if we're going to overcome obstacles to fellowship with God and one another, man, we've got to expose the darkness of our human nature. Ooh. So there, there's something about darkness, isn't there, that, that brings fear. You know, when I was a child, I was afraid of the dark. Uh, not the, the dark per se, but what could be in the dark. Like I had to train myself as I got older to just you know, go into the dark and, and, and rationally deal with darkness. And I know none of you else, no, no one else here has ever been scared of the dark. But when I was a little kid, I was scared of the dark. And I was concerned. I was concerned about what is dwelling in the darkness. When there was no light, an absence of light caused my heart to fear. Two things that I wanted in the dark. I was meditating on this as I was preparing for this message. What are the two things I wanted when I was in the dark? Two things. It's interesting. I wanted my parents, specifically my father. And my dad would come in, and he would sit by my bedside. I'm just, just touchy because he's not here with me anymore. And uh, he was a kind of a tough guy, but he was so sweet. I mean, I didn't know it because I was like five years old, you know. But he would just come in there and just sit by my bed and talk to me and try to console me, you know. And uh, that was sweet. But, you know, the other thing I needed, other than my father's word, yeah, it's a light. <laughs> I needed a light bulb. So they put this little night light thing in the, you know, you put it in there in the socket, turn it on. So I had that. And then, you know, if that wasn't doing the trick, well, then you had to tur- turn on the switch in the bedroom, right? Or the hallway light. And there was just something about once the light's on, yeah, there's no darkness. Now I can see what's crawling out of my toy box. I, I <laughs> you know, I can look over the edge of the bed. I can see if someone opens up the closet and sneaks out in the middle. All those things that I was worried about in the middle of the night. Right? All of that stuff. I, it was now gone. And then I could lay down and I could rest. And God, you know what? We have this great invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. What God, what's God's giving you rest from? Well, he's giving you rest from the darkness. That's why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's bringing you some light so you can rest from the evil of the darkness. You can go and rest in him. Our biggest threat of darkness is not the absence of physical light, but the absence of spiritual light. If you're going to be fellowshipping with God, we cannot walk in darkness. Paul, he said it this way in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. You hear it often quoted in the context. It's actually a a chapter dealing with contractual arrangements in the body of Christ, including marriage, which is what we typically assign it to, but he says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? That's a rhetorical question, right? 
And what concord or what agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth, he that believeth with an infidel, an unbeliever? See, Paul contrasts light with darkness, and in the next sentence sets Christ at odds with Belial, which is wickedness or men of wickedness. In the Old Testament, these are often associated with uh, Baal worship and demonic activity. And I want to be clear, this section of Scripture is not dealing with salvation, but sanctification. And that's a very important part of what needs to be communicated this morning. When we're talking about the light, obviously there's a huge need to understand salvation. You need to be brought into the light through Jesus Christ. But, but, but John isn't writing about salvation here. He's talking about Christians that have a tendency to dabble with the darkness. A proclivity to be in the light and leave it. Like Lucifer. Light-bearing beings that shouldn't be dealing with darkness, but yet are. And so it's about sanctification. It's about sonship and fellowship. Now, fellowship deals with this matter of light and darkness. This is also important to understand. Our fellowship is about light versus darkness. Our fellowship is about light versus darkness. Our sonship is about life and death. We'll get to that in, in 1 John chapter 3. When it comes to salvation, it's life and death. It's, it's hell or heaven. And that's about being born again, being a son of God. But once you're born again, your relationship changes. And it's now, you're already, you can't be unborn, you're saved. But now it's about light and darkness. And where do we choose to dwell? Where do, what do we choose to allow into this temple? What are we doing? What is illuminating the inside of our heart? So if you're saved, there's some things that you need to be aware of regarding light and darkness that Paul makes very, very clear in this same passage, right? He says, what communion hath light with darkness? It's no accident that when we come to the Lord's Supper next week, that is one of the things, that's why we celebrate, we honor the Lord's Supper. Even at the Lord's Supper, what was made very apparent? Eleven of those guys were walking in the light, and one of them wasn't. He was of the night. Beloved, that's why we have communion, because God wants us to make a decision where we're going to walk. That's why we're to judge ourselves. We got a whole week. We don't have to wait till next Sunday. Let's start now. Let's get our hearts ready and let's make sure we're walking in the light. And God brings us to a point every so often, as often as we do it, we we have to stop and go, wait a minute. Who is it? Is it me? Right? Am I the one betraying Christ? Am I the one confessing to be his disciple, but yet actually walking in the darkness? It's sad that we can be that duplicit, but we can. We should not wait until next week to prepare. We should prepare our hearts daily. We should be prepared now to be walking fully in the light. In 1 Corinthians 11.31, the Lord says through Paul, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And that's also built into this passage. As a son of God, we have the ability to choose what we do with the darkness. Because darkness does not overcome light. Isn't that awesome? The light overcomes darkness. I think, I don't know if Amy was with me or not. I may have been with my family. It's been so long ago. But I was at Bridal Cave down in uh, Camden, Missouri. And they take you, some of you probably been on that tour, and they take you down in the bowels of the cave, you know. And it's lit along the way and all that. And it's all pretty, and they got all the different stratas and stuff. It's cool. If you've never been in a cave in Missouri, you need to do that. And then you get down to this place, and um, they just turn out the light. And it's absolute darkness. I mean, it doesn't, your eyes, there's no adjusting because there is absolute darkness. You cannot adjust to that because there is no light. 
And after they let your eyes adjust and your pupils dilate to about that big, you know, <clears throat> searching for light, then this dude takes a Bic lighter or what have you, and he just... And it's amazing because this whole cavernous opening just lights up with one little lighter. How many of you have seen that before? Yeah, isn't that cool? What is that, what's that telling you? It's telling you what the Bible says, that light, it overcomes darkness. You know, what, what the, the reality is once you get in the light, once you are in Christ, man, it, it behooves us to walk in the light because light, light always wins. There's no excuse because light overcomes the darkness. It's amazing. This week I received a, a notice on Facebook on a live feed from a bunch of Kansas City uh, council members. Now, I, I don't bring that up because I, I give a hoot. But uh, it was interesting because these guys were fired up. I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting. And so they, they went live on, on, on television, and ABC Channel 9 News carried it because they were fired up because Quentin Lucas was trying to pass some legislation in the Northland, to, and it would eliminate like $45,000 or something. I don't know what it was, but it was going to kill their budget. It was going to mess up their police force in Kansas City, not, not just north of the river, but also that was their claim that it was going to hurt everybody in the metro, so on and so forth. And, they, and, and this is what they did. They, they stood up in front of everybody on, in the, on television, went out through social media. I mean, I'm a guy who doesn't even care, and I'm in my office, and it pops up, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I start watching it. <clears throat> and this guy says, man, I, I was out of town, and this is what happened. This other lady gets up and says, hey, I, I just talked to Quentin this morning, and, and I didn't hear anything about this. And another guy get, lady gets up and says, hey, yeah, and by the way, this is, and so they're all saying, they're trying to get something by us. And we're not standing for it. You know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to turn on the cameras, turn on the lights, and we're going to broadcast this to everybody. Now, I don't know what the merits of any of that. It could all been a lie for all I know because I, I have no dog, no, no pony in that race. I don't know what they were talking about. I don't know the details. But I do know this. What they were trying to do was bring light to something they felt was in darkness. I tell you what, if you want to deal with darkness, just bring it to the light. If you got something hidden in the darkness and you want to get rid of it, just bring it out into the light. The light will take care of it. Because the darkness flees. The darkness flees the light. If you're going to overcome darkness, if we're going to overcome our human nature, I'm going to give you three things real quickly, and I'm going to pause. Uh, and uh, we'll probably just wrap it up there because I'm going to run out of time if I keep going. But let me, let me give you the first one. You've got to expose the lies to others about our fellowship. Expose the lies to others. Now, that's kind of a, that statement I made there in, in the point A, expose the lies to others. I'm not talking about other people lying, so I'm going to be very specific here. I'm talking about the lies that we tell to others about our fellowship, our personal fellowship. Not our fellowship, but our personal fellowship. You know what, that, what? What I'm saying is you don't have to hide it. I'm not walking with the Lord. I need to get right. This morning, literally, in the mighty wars, I won't stay the child. We're having prayer time. He lays, raises his hand. He says, I need you to pray for my heart because uh, I've not been very obedient lately, and I, my heart isn't very good. I need my heart right. <laughs> I'm like, out of the mouth of babes, man. Come on up into the main service because that's what I'm going to be talking about. I got a lot of hope for that kid. Is he the best kid in class? No. But you know what? He knows something very important that a lot of us don't, which is, you know what? When I'm having trouble with my heart and my sin nature, I need to just expose it to the light. 
there's going to be victory there. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, we say that if we have fellowship with him, okay, we say it, and walk in darkness, we lie. If we say that, I'm sorry, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying. Why? Well, we're not doing the truth. Well, I'm right with God. God bless, I went to church, I did this, I read my Bible, I posted something on Facebook. Okay, great. Are you walking with Jesus? That could be a sham. The devil likes to transform himself into an angel of light. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty simple. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So if you, if you have a clean conscience before God in the sight of men, hallelujah to you. You are walking in the light. Go with confidence, man. Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. Man, you are... It doesn't mean you're not going to go 50, you know, 56 and a 55, all right? Pray, get your heart right, confess, but walk in the light as he's in the light. Having fellowship one with another. In 1 John 6 through 10, uh, 1, 6 through 10, I, I gave you a little chart. I'm not going to spend time on this chart, but for you programmers, I, I just saw this pattern of, of if-then statements, right? And I found these, uh, I found these five if-then statements uh, through this chapter. And, you know, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, well, then we're lying, right? And we're not doing the truth. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, well, we do have fellowship with, with each other. Your relationships with one another. When there are severed relationships in the body of Christ, I don't care what people tell me. There is something wrong and there is darkness. It makes me, it makes me weep. That's, that's actually the truth. Makes God weep worse. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, man, we have fellowship with each other. And you know what? All the rough edges get knocked off by the grace of God, the blood of Christ. Hallelujah to you. If we say that we have no sin, well, don't get too carried away with this, Mr. Holier Than Thou, Mrs. Holier Than Thou. I have never sinned. Amy and I, used to, we went to school with a girl who told us she never passed gas. We're like, well... You're in First John chapter 1 and verse 8. I think you lie and do not the truth. You're, or you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. First John 1, 9, though, God gives us a remedy, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. That's right, all unrighteousness. Because we got to get right. But if we say that we have not sinned, well, well you make him a liar. Why would he come and die on the cross for our sins and, and, tell, and, and give us a pattern of repentance if, indeed, we don't sin? Of course, I'll get to a little bit that a little more technically here in a minute. And his word, ultimately, the point is his word is not in us. We're not judging ourselves. So John is drawing a comparison between what we say and what we do. It's a contrast. If we say we're in fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we're lying to ourselves and others. But God is not falling for it. We can't fool him any of the time. You can fool me all the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. So if you're wondering what walking in darkness looks like, well, John says, well, it looks, it looks like us when we're not doing the truth. It looks like what it looks like when you're not doing truth. Where is the truth, beloved? It's, it's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The, he's given us the truth right here. And if you're not walking like Christ walked, then guess what? You're not walking in the truth. We can turn on our podcast and listen to the truth. But then today, God is interested in not just hearing it, not just absorbing it, which is important, but also what we do with that truth. 
a few weeks ago, Amy and I and, and Elle were up at the, the Price Chopper parking lot, and uh, this guy comes out of the store, and he's limping, and he's carrying his groceries, you know, and he's got some sort of infirmity. And he kind of walks past our car, and then he's walking through the lot. And, and uh, I don't think I was walking in the light, at least not like Amy was. And she's like, Brian, we need to give that guy a ride. Well, I got my daughter in the back seat. I'm thinking, well, I got reason. I'm like, well, I got to get the sermon ready. I got to go spiritual here. <clears throat> but you know what God said? Yeah, he said, Brian, you're in darkness, and that wife of yours is in the light. <clears throat> so I said, okay. And we helped this guy. I was able to witness to him. It was a great little event, you know, in our life, our little family. And uh, my point is simply this, is that when the light's on, man, it affects those around you. That compassion that Amy had was not Amy. That was Jesus. That was, per- that was turning the light on in our car. <laughs> and it wasn't the, wasn't the light in the car. It was the light of Christ. And when that light came on, you know what was weird to me is, and what I was start, the God started talking to me about was, hey, Brian, why weren't you just so immediately agreeable to that? Why did you even pause? What was your, what was your, what, I wasn't, I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't like fighting it, but I was a little bit like in my heart, like, man, I really want to go home. <laughs> it's funny, but it's sad and true. You know why? Because there's darkness. There's darkness in my heart. But I thank God that he turned on the light and I repented. You know, that's the cool thing. When you're saved, you can do that. You can get in the light. You just got to change your heart and change your mind. And boom, you're in. Next thing you know, I'm so happy. I'm witnessing this guy. helping carry his groceries. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing the other thing that we talked about. Jesus, others, put yourself last. So I was. this is how I prep my sermon. See, I just have to live it out before I get to it. That was a few weeks back. So God's giving me these illustrations. For those of us in the, in, in the slow class, though, right, you know, those of us who like to wear our sunglasses at night and we can't discern, from, you know, light from the darkness, Paul gives us a clear idea. Just for those of you guys that you're like, well, okay, Brian, I'm not quite following you. Okay, well, let me, I know, we can't always follow John. John's pretty mystical and mysterious. So let's just go back to Paul who will punch us in the mouth, okay? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. This is what Paul says. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, right? Just, just love God, love others the way he loved you. I mean, what a, what a, you can't overcome that picture. But, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be, or not be once named among you as becometh saints. So he says, if you're a saint, if you're born again, then don't allow fornication or uncleanness or covetousness to be named among you. So don't, that should not be attributed to your name. Brian Hedges is a fornicator. Brian Hedges is covetous. Brian Hedges is unclean. And put your name in there. I'm using, I told you this was about me, so I'm preaching about me. You can preach about you. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the Bible's teaching us. And then he says, uh, neither filthiness. Oh, we're, gonna, we're not going to stop there. All right. So no filthiness, nor foolish talking, <clears throat> uh-oh, nor jesting, hmm, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. He says, hey, stop it. Be thankful. Not cynical. 
For this, th- this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. In that same chapter, in verses 8 and 9, I didn't, I didn't get it on the board there, um, it says, Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, not in darkness, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Positionally, you are light. So you should walk like that practically. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So walking uh, in darkness as a Christian will not impact your sonship. But it will impact your fellowship and that will impact your inheritance. When fire of the judgment seat of Christ is done, you'll be sitting there with not one ounce of gold, silver, or precious stone to reflect back the light of God's glory to this universe, to the Lord himself. And it'll be self-evident that you were playing the whole time. That I was, if I'm playing, I'm playing the whole time. It'll be manifest. So you can't hide anything. Bring it into the light so God can deal with it. So for those of you, if that isn't getting it done for you, if you're still still like not tracking with me, let me let me bring it down one more level. All right. So Jeff Foxworthy would say it this way. Right? <laughs> you might be walking in darkness if. Right? If you're fornicating, you might be walking in darkness. If you're filthy in thought and action, you might be walking in darkness. If you are covetous and desiring to have other stuff instead of being content with what God has provided, you might be walking in darkness if your communion is corrupt and you're spewing forth from the abundance of a filthy heart things that you shouldn't you might be walking in darkness if your communication is corrupt i'm sorry i said that if you cannot resist telling off-color jokes and edgy humor you might be walking in darkness if you cannot resist i'm sorry i said that again i gotta put my glasses on if you like to mock god and make a joke out of the bible you might be walking in darkness. If you enjoy the company of women in the night, you might be walking in darkness. If you are unclean, which means you're dabbling with devils and the dark things that you shouldn't be dabbling with spiritually, you might be walking in darkness. If you are an idolater, you're worshiping and exalting anything other than Jesus Christ, Pat Mahomes, you might be walking in darkness. You get the picture, right? That's what Paul's saying, and Jeff Foxworthy. Except it's not you might be, you are. And that's what John is saying. It's like, okay, let's not not play anymore. Let's just be honest and say, look, I'm walking in darkness. I want to walk in the light. There are general categories. The word of God, the spirit of God will fill in the blanks for all of us. But the point here is not to burden you with condemnation over the clear evidence that one is walking in darkness or is being compelled to walk in darkness, but to get you to walk in the light. Because all you got to do is go to the light. The light is in you. You just got to feed that nature, just like we talk about in, the, in our discipleship lesson. Point B is we got to expose the deceitful lies to ourselves about our sin nature. These just go hand in hand, and I, I got to be quick here. But So we can lie to others. That was, that was point A. But point B is not others, it's, it's we lie to ourselves. That's what he's talking about in verse 8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, 
if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, so for you super saints that say, you know, he ain't talking to me, uh, you got to wake up and remember what Paul said in Romans 7. He says, for I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He's not talking about his soul that's been sealed to the day of redemption. He is saying, I have darkness shrouded on top of my carcass here, and, uh, and, and there's nothing good about it. He goes, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Right, that's the dual nature of man, right? Especially once we get saved. We, we have the spiritual man of Christ, and then we have the old man that wants to fight and walk in darkness. Well, you know how you deal with darkness is you bring it into the light. It's very practical. There's literally people who won't walk in the doors of the church. You know why? It ain't because the lights are too bright in here. It's because the light is too bright. And they cannot bring the, the darkness into the light. They just can't bring themselves to do it. I, I literally know people like that. I, they, I, I knew a lady who would cry every time she got close. Now, church building is not the issue. It's not the building. It's the spirit of God working among the people of God. Every time she got near a building, she'd just start crying. Every time she got near a church congregation, she'd start crying. But one day, you know what she did? She went in, and she heard a message on, on uh, prodigal son. You know what? She stepped into the light. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. God is awesome. Even though we're new creatures in Christ, <clears throat> our old nature still deals us a fit. Now, this was also, John had a, was sending a shout out to the agnostics and the ascetics like Origen, who castrated himself to deal with his lust problem. That is no more going to solve his lust problem than a lobotomy. So Origen's problem was not his, his, his what he thought was his problem, I'm not even going to say. It was his sin nature. Right, That was his problem, and he bought into the lie that all physical matter was evil, and he needed to transcend through his superior knowledge. No, he didn't. He needed to just simply believe the record that God had given him, that had been declared by the Apostle John. That's what he needed. Instead of applying philosophy to the Scripture and manipulating it, he needed what God would use to deliver him from the darkness. Satan wants to beguile the mind of the church, just as he did the mind of Eve. Once he has the mind, he'll destroy the heart, and then the body. You know 2 Corinthians eleven two. Paul speaks there and says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, sin is part of the human condition, and that's why Jesus came to give life uh, to us and give us freedom from the penalty of sin and death. Romans, uh, you know, Romans 3.23, you guys know that. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. All of us. There's nobody that hasn't sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're not saved this morning, you need to start there. Just step into the light. <clears throat> and lastly, expose the lies about our sinful deeds. In John chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us it's not in us there's a lacking of truth inside some people may say well brian the bible contradicts itself one you know because john wrote twice in his epistles that the christian cannot sin 
In 1 John 3, 6, he says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. 1 John 5, 18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Oh, no, the Bible's not, then it can't be right. But this is where we have to, again, apply principles of Bible study and put things in context. In 1 John 3, 6, it's not dealing with fellowship, but sonship, which I set forth a little earlier this, uh, this morning. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 sets the context context of who he's talking about the context is whosoever abideth in him sinneth not whoever is born of god who is a son of god so that takes care of that first john 2 also deals with our advocate with the father jesus christ ditto the, the next statement in first john five eighteen. the bible there says <clears throat> it's dealing with our birthright those who are in christ and are sanctified in christ it's it's not dealing with those uh, that are not saved he's speaking of a po- of position and sonship, not fellowship in that passage as well. And I could go on and talk about that. But uh, the bottom line is this. There's some people that would say, Brian, you don't really have to confess any sin because you're positionally, and it's true, we are already sanctified. We're already justified. We're already, as far as God's concerned, through Christ, we're already seated together in heavenly places in Christ. But practically speaking, we have to daily decide, you know what, I'm going to bring the darkness into the light. And so we should not lie to ourselves. Right? We shouldn't lie to others. We shouldn't deceive ourselves. And you know what? We shouldn't lie about our sinful deeds. We need to deal with them. And that's why he put 1 John 1, 9 in the, in the passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And last but not least, we need to decide to walk in the light. Verse 10, that's what he's telling us. We need to put the word in us and walk in the light. Choose to fellowship with God and his people. Walk in the light because we've been given the light. And then confess and forsake sin. In Ezra chapter, between chapters 9 and 10, the, the nation of Israel, they came before God and they, they acknowledged their sin. Then, then Ezra confesses it. And you know what? God had mercy. You know, even though Jesus Christ has forgiven us of all unrighteousness, we still need to continue to keep a short account with him because he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to drink out of a clean cup. When we take ownership of our sin and confess it, God gives us grace to forsake it. And David found his, his sure mercies in Psalm 51 when he brought his sin to the Lord. He didn't hide it. God is faithful and just to forgive us, uh, and, and, and uh, he'll excuse the guilt and move that cloud away. One of the things about 1 John 1, 9 that's so important for us Christians to understand is it removes the guilt and the sin of shame. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And lastly, fill your heart and mind and soul with the word of God. Man, I tell you, if you want to, that's what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, the, the church, right? He says, I need you husbands, you need to wash your wife in the water of the word of God. This morning, that's by God's grace, that's what we've done. We've taken some time and we've, and we've taken the word of God and we've kind of renewed our mind on this issue of some of these obstacles that can get in the way of our fellowship. And this morning, I pray that when you leave, that you can walk out of here different than when you came in. Maybe you came in in darkness. And maybe just going through that middle section of the message made you realize, you know what, maybe I'm lying to others. Or maybe I'm even self-deceived. Or maybe I'm just not being honest about my sin. Well, you know what, you don't have to stand up and tell me all about it. But next week's the Lord's Supper. This is a great time to deal with it. And you can do that by simply putting the truth of God's word in your heart. And it will expose the lies and then bring those to the Lord and judge yourself lest you be judged. And you know the evidence of your fellowship with God? You know where it's going to be manifest? It'll be the fruit that you have with the Lord, certainly, and it will be among one another. 
He tells us that in the text. Our fellowship isn't just vertical, right? It's horizontal. The evidence that we're walking in the light is manifest to all because of the love that we have one for another. That's how people know we're his, his disciples, because we have love one for another. Where's that love come from? It don't come from us. It comes from he who lives in us. And beloved, I pray that you're filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And if there's any darkness, man, bring in the light and get rid of it. You can do that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for...